Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And if you were with us last time, and I know many of you were, uh, you heard my first uh, interview with our guest, Andre. She is on and Oh, gosh, what a story that he has. And I'm so fascinated with that. For me, it's not necessarily his story that's so fascinating. It's him that's fascinating and his understanding of God and the way he writes about that. Andre, welcome back. Thanks for being here for another edition. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's good to be back. As you mentioned, uh, last week, we kind of got the bad stuff out of the way. As you so eloquently mentioned, uh, you came from uh, Eastern Canada to Western Canada, had a rough religious background, very legalistic, and uh, your family background, you were the fifth boy of five boys and then three more girls. And uh, your dad was a veteran of the last world war and kind of ran your house in a military fashion. And so you didn't have a, a great loving picture of a father. You uh, eventually moved to British Columbia, then got involved in drugs. You were homeless for five years or so. And then 15 or 16 years ago, knowing that something needed to change, you spoke to God and he spoke to you and led you on a uh, the beginning of a journey where you met your wife now and uh, started you on this journey of his unconditional love and grace. So let's pick up the story there. As you were on a mission, in the mission, uh, you met your future wife there and started changing. Tell us about how that happened and what it was like. Yeah, on a mission, in the street mission, yeah. A mission was to find God, you know. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I was I, I knew I was not going to find him in a street mission, but I was just there to survive to get off the street, you know. So I had I had to sign myself off the street. But when I came to, as I mentioned earlier, when I came out of uh, the Roman Catholic religion and joined the fundamental church, the evangelical born again movement in Kelowna, which is a very church town, you know. I basically, what I didn't know at the time, I exchanged one religion for another. This one was a little bit more polished, you know, more scripture-oriented, but scripture-oriented the way they understood the, the scriptures, right? And so I spent about 20 years in the church in Kelowna. I was a Sunday, uh, faithfully going to church every Sunday, reading my Bible, going to all the midweek meetings. But there was all kind of turmoils going on in my life because this religion is just surface. It's not dealing with internal reality, with internal relationship, you know, with, with God. And so, and because of religion, the concept that you have of God is a distant judge in the sky that's always looking at you in a disapproving way, uh, you know, and it's acceptance based on your performance, you know, you know it's all this stuff, right? And so... Like I said in our earlier conversation, when the crash came in my life and it came really bad, like I got on the street, I got into a drug and all this, I was looking 
for a God I didn't know because the only God that I knew was a legalistic religious God. And so I, that was a journey, you know. It's like I came to a place, I guess, in order to know about God, I had to come to a realization that I didn't know God. The, the version of God that I was taught was not who God is. And it took me about close to almost 15 years now, you know, like that's one thing about, that's like 16 years ago. It took me like many, many years to unlearn all this religious stuff, you know, like the deconstruct, you know, story, in order to, to get an understanding uh, of who this God is that I've been looking for all my life, you know. And I couldn't find him because the one I was looking for doesn't exist. It's the wrong religious version of who God really is, right? And so that's how their journey started. And uh, I couldn't go back to religion. I couldn't go back to church because I knew it wasn't in there. I would just be hearing the same thing over and over again. So I knew there was nothing there. So I had nothing to go back there to. So I thank God for social media because of that. Because through Facebook, like what, what I would do, like I said earlier, like I would go uh, on, on uh, not Facebook, but on YouTube. And I'm thinking, there must be somebody out there that know God and have a different version of who God is and what the gospel is. Because all what I've been hearing for 20 years is the same stuff over and over again. And that God has never done anything for me. You know, I was looking for something different. I didn't even know what it was, but I knew that this version of God that I had didn't work. Right. So when I started to look on YouTube for different messages and stuff like this, I kept on hearing the same thing I was hearing in churches, you know. Sometimes it was more polished and it was more jumping around with more charismatic uh, style and stuff like this, but it but always ended up being the same thing. It was like church on YouTube, right? And so I started to dig a little bit deeper. So then I started to think, well, maybe if I start to type some uh, on the search bar topic scriptures, that nobody ever talks about, like about Ephesian, you know, scriptures from Ephesian, like uh, or Colossian, you know, that uh, or God was in Christ in Corinthian, reconciling the world to Himself, you know. There's one here. Let me see. I put my glasses on. There's another one. That's one of my favorites in Colossians one seventeen, where he says that uh, in Christ all things hold together. So. If all things hold together, whether visible, invisible, thrones, everything uh, exists in him and is held together in him, then I figured, uh, well, I didn't figure that right away, but later on, I came to think about the scripture and I said, how in the world does the evangelical movement came with the idea of an outside of God? If everything, the planet, the galaxy, the system is held together in him, how can it be an outside of this thing is an illusion that doesn't exist. Everything exists and is held together in him, you know. So I would type scriptures like this on YouTube that I know nobody in churches ever touch. And so eventually I started to come across some people that were talking about those scriptures. So, oh, okay, this guy looks kind of interesting. <laughs> so I would put his sermon on and check different topics he was talking about. And that's how I came across some of these true grace preachers, you know. The first one was Steve McVeigh, as I had mentioned in our earlier conversation, you know. And the first time I heard Steve McVeigh talk on YouTube, I remember 
it was coming about this reality that God has included all of humanity. There's no outside group. There's only inside. There's that nobody is excluded. Everybody is excluded. And he made this point like many, many ways where there was in so many ways with so many scriptures that there was no doubt left that everybody is included in Christ. There's no outside of Christ. When I became fully convinced of this, I remember I was listening to one of those messages on, on the all-inclusiveness of Christ, you know, how all of humanity is included in Christ. It's like a lifetime of guilt and weight, the, the weight of, of guilt and fears totally left. It's like it evaporated, like the morning mist, you know, and I cried for joy. It's like I couldn't believe it. Like it's, it's like I always had that fear about hell, you know. And even at this, this, this story about hell, like I figured, how can you love somebody that's going to send you into an eternal torment for eternity because you didn't do all the things you wanted you to do, you know? Like there's an old saying that you can never love somebody that you fear. And yeah. so if you fear God, we're not talking about a reverent fear here. We're talking about being afraid of God. I was afraid of my dad. I didn't love my dad. I feared him. I learned to love him in later life when I began to, to know more about God and I began to know why uh, my dad was this way and uh, all the misery that has been through, you know. But you cannot love somebody that you fear. You know, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. If you're afraid of somebody, you're not going to love them. You're going to do what they tell you to do because you're afraid of them, not because you love them. And that's the kind of relationship that religion has given us of who God is, you know, the distant judge in the sky of being instead of being a father. And so from uh, listening to uh, Steve McVeigh's uh, teaching, the Lord also led me uh, to teachers like Baxter Kruger. And Baxter Kruger, being a, a theologian, gave me a more overall picture of why in the Western world, especially, we came to believe the way we believe. The background, the historical background of the early church fathers and what and how they believe back then to what we believe here, especially in the West, because I didn't know anything about the split of the Eastern and Western church. You know, we end up with the Roman Catholic theology, you know, part of, of that split. And in the East, you know, the, their approach to the gospel is totally different. Their perception of God is totally different than what yeah. we have here in the West. Right. Yeah. The all-inclusiveness of what God did for humanity, that's something that we were never taught in the Western world. And it's still not taught to this day unless you belong to a grace group movement, you know. It's still taught that God is up there and humanity is, is here and there's a separation and somehow we have to do something to fill that gap, right? And with you, if what I understand you say, that that just didn't logically make sense. If God is love, then how can these things that we've been taught in church meant? And you went on a quest to find out who God really is and to find out the truth, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't understand because I always saw God as a lone figure. One of the things that Baxter Kruger brought in the middle of this is the importance of the Trinitarian life of God. Yeah. Because if we say, if we say God is love, then right away we have to say that God is a relationship. Because love doesn't exist in a vacuum. Before mankind was created, God always existed. So if God was love before he created us, who did he love? Love only exists in the context of giving and receiving. Yes. So 
That's why they says, let us create man in our own image, in our likeness. The concept of the Trinity is so beautiful and so foundational. You know, I grew up in church and was a pastor for 20 years, and I knew the word Trinity. I knew Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but I had no concept of what that was. It was more like the triangle. Eh? So it was more like a hierarchy, like the Father at the top, the Son at the bottom, and the Holy Spirit somewhere in the middle, you know? Yeah. But like Kruger says, it's not like this. It's not a hierarchy. It's a circle. It's yeah. a relational circle, you know? Yeah. A beautiful circle, too. And and they included us in that before we ever came to Earth. <laughs> well, one of the most beautiful things that Kruger said in in some of his teaching is that that relationship, he says, is the womb of creation. That's where creation came. That's the purpose of our existence. We were created to be in that circle. Yeah. And gosh, once I saw that, then I just thought, well, wait a minute. I thought I asked Jesus to come into my heart. If he's always been there, then this whole thing of asking him to come in is a wasted effort to try to get something that you already have. Well, the issue that I had with that famous sinner's prayer, you know, see the magic word, like, and it's repeat after me. It's not even something that comes from your own heart. Yeah. It's like you're, you're repeating the sinner's prayer. But when I did that prayer the first time, I was on my way. I was already in British Columbia. I was on my way to Kitsilano. I was in Vancouver. And I was on my way to go buy some weed and smoke and go to There was some kind of bar. They had live music and all this. And there were some street musicians that were uh, Christian street musicians that talked to us and make a story short, led us to the Lord. And they had that sinner's prayer repeat after me and all this. And so I, I did the sinner's prayer, invited Jesus to come into my heart. And then I was on my way to the club and I smoked some hash that evening, got a few drinks and uh, came home and occasionally read my my Bible because now I had said that sinner's prayer, but I was never really sure that I did it the right way <laughs> because the onus is on what you did. I invited him into my heart. So did I did that the right way? Did I believe the right way? Now that I smoked some weed that same night, you know, is he, is he still there, you know? <laughs> and so the problem with this is that the onus is uh, as far as God's location within you, is that it's based on something you did. You ask him to receive him, right? And so you never, and that's why you got all these altar calls all the time in churches for rededication, you know, make sure that this time you got it right, right? Yeah. And I was taught that, yeah, well, okay, you asked him to come in, but then you went right back out and got drunk again. So he left and now you got to, you got to get him to come back. I, I finally thought, man, Jesus got to be tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to build a revolving door, you know, like yeah. in this big store. <laughs> uh, we can look back now and, and laugh and uh, see the ridiculousness of it. Uh, and that's part of our journey. But, you know, unfortunately, so many people are still there. But they're like like you were 16 years ago in the cold out on the street by a, in an alley by a warehouse. Everybody's searching. I think everybody is we're born with this innate desire. I know we are created by God to know God. That's why that's why He created us, so that we would know Him and experience His love. And uh, everybody is looking for that. Uh, we just don't even know what we're looking for until we finally 
find out. And what triggers that or what, uh, I, I know it's all God's timing and I'm not about to speculate as to why. I just know with me, it took longer than I, than I wish it would have. <laughs> yeah, same with me. I've always been a slow learner about, about many things, you know. And I, I often say I've often learned things the hard way, you know. That was the the hard way to get to know God, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that was the hamster wheel, you know. Like I, I eventually got off of it. But uh, religion is tiring, you know. No oh, man, it's tiring. It wears you out. If you have time, Andre, we're going to do a third episode. Are you up for one more? Oh, yeah, for sure. Good. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. And uh, before we sign off, tell people how they can connect with you and about the Facebook group that you and your wife have. Yeah, you just type my name, Andre Chiasson, C-H-I-A-S-S-O-N. You'll, you'll know you're on the right page when you see a picture of me and my wife on the pier in, in White Rock by the ocean. And if you look on our Facebook page, we also have a group that we started a few years ago called Eternal Union which discuss basically the eternal union that uh, God has established through the incarnation of his son with humanity. And so that's what this group is about. Great. And I'd certainly encourage people to do that. That information will be on the show notes when the people watch this. We're, we're recording this in October and the uh, uh, people will see this about a month later. And then I know that they'll want to find out more about you as, as I did when I got to know you. So Andre, thanks again, and thanks to everybody who's joined us today for this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray, and Andre and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.